Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I'm joined again by my friend and co-host Kaylee Kelch. We have a really rich conversation of what it means to not give up in our faith. And Kaylee, I'm so glad that you are here with me. I could see you across the screen as we record this on Skype. So uh, what's what's new in your life today? Oh, um, new in my life today is we are trying to get ready. My family is going camping, and so I am in the mad process of trying to pack up food and tents and all kinds of things so that we can have a few days of a getaway. So it'll be nice. Nice. Yeah, because we're recording this in the middle of July. Uh, yeah, and, and it's going to air in October. So where do you Which think you'll be? Which is my favorite favorite time of year. October, I love October. I love fall, and um, what I'll be doing in October, man, I will be in the thick of uh, school, and uh, actually, I should be getting ready to go to Kentucky um, for we do a mission trip every October, and we go to up to Appalachia, where it's very mm. low income. And we help fix people's houses and build wheelchair ramps and paint porches and all kinds of fun stuff. So um, I'll probably be getting ready for that. I find it so interesting. You've described two things which require physical labor. Yeah, it's true. Right? Camping in July, you're using your hands. And then in October, you'll be using your hands again. You're leading your family this weekend camping. You'll be leading a group of students when you go in October. So it kind of ties into what we're talking today about the idea of what we're doing with our hands and our time and, and the fruit that we'll bear from it. So like, do you have like a, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have a really good story that matches that concept of using your hands and stewarding your time and seeing the fruit from it? I think actually both of those um, examples that I shared as to what I'm doing you know, July and then October actually really play into this because if you think about it, you know, as I take the time to go camping and to do all this prep work and then to spend time with my kids and my husband, like I'm reaping then on the backside of that of memories and um, built relationships and, you know, just time that we spend together then that helps to ground us as a family Um, so that then, you know, when the busy days come or the rough times hit that we have like this framework of togetherness Mm -hmm. and, um, shared experiences that help to just keep us together when we go through the challenging times. And, you know, looking at the mission trip, um, that too, like taking a bunch of kids and helping them to serve in a, in a different community outside of what they normally operate in. Um, and, and just seeing how other people live and giving of themselves, like that reaps so many things on the flip side too. I, I listen to their stories when they come back of, you know, wow, I didn't realize how much I have compared to some other people mm. or wow, I got a chance to pray with this person or, you know, they were crying because we came and took time out of our schedule to paint their front porch when they can't do it because they're elderly. Um, so all of those things, like, you know, when we put time into, um, our families or into our church or our neighborhood, 
we end up reaping benefits out of that, out of the service. I guess, you know, it's an aspect of service too. Then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are great examples. And also, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm thinking, do I have an example? Could I say something? And, yeah. and the one thing that came to my mind, um, I was teaching in the coach training class uh, this morning about boundaries and margin space, mm-hmm. which you're like, what does this have to do with sowing and reaping? But what was really interesting was uh, one of the principles is this idea of preparing in advance so that we can uh, be responsible rather Mm -hmm. than reacting. And so what I'm hearing you say with camping and the missions trip is that you're preparing in advance. You're you're putting yourself in a position to be response-able through being responsible rather than reacting. And I, I'm not, you know, I don't have anything scheduled for October that's family fun. I have some speaking events in September that I'm starting that preparation for and digging into mm-hmm. the scriptures. But the example that came to me this morning when I was teaching class was how I prepared this summer by choosing what I wasn't going to do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's kind of an interesting, like, flip side of it. The flip it's, side. The flip side is that I, I was coming off of the big book launch. Right. I knew that took a toll on my family. I knew that Stephen was going to be traveling for, it's been a total of five weeks. He's coming to the tail end of it. So I knew I was going to be manning the ship as a solo parent. Right. And the decision that I made was that I would not take on any new projects. I wouldn't start another book proposal. I wouldn't start uh, a big editing project or redoing a website or anything that would Mm -hmm. cause me to kind of go into tunnel vision and feel the pressure to like have to get it done. And and so that decision of what not to do, I'm actually seeing some fruit of it. So, Mm -hmm. and just yesterday, it's simple little fruit. I think this is so helpful for uh, our sisters who are listening because preparing and planning isn't just the big it can Correct. be the the absence of the big and, and so last night Caitlin said to me mom would you come up to the barn with me and watch my lesson which I have not done in months and I said sure and I went and there was no pressure I didn't feel like I had to be on my phone I didn't have something else I had to do I could be fully in the moment mm-hmm. with her and then I came home and, and Luke my son we we play spit the card game he actually is pretty funny. He's like, Mom, do. you want to do a little... <laughs> do you play spit too? Yes. <laughs> I love spit. And I haven't I had anybody... Too. This is... We are really cut from the same mold. It's kind of scary. I, it's crazy. <laughs> so I ended up sitting with him and was able to play a game, a spit, mm-hmm. which turned into really connecting with him because in between him whooping me... Because he is now faster and better than me. He has conquered the spit champion of my family line. Uh, (laughs) We talked about everything that you want to know, the inside view on your son's life. Boom. Opened up like a book before me. And I'm not going to share it because it's his book, not mine. Um, But that kind of... That it's it's a sowing and a reaping that I don't think we give enough credibility to because it is the opposite of actually creating something big. It's making the space for something to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. if you, I mean, think about like gardening. So, my stepdad is 
huge, huge gardener. We actually call like the property because my my parents live next door, and um, so we call it the farm because um, Timothy has just acres of fruit trees planted, mm. and we helped him build a greenhouse, and he has all kinds of things in the greenhouse. But there's so much that goes into the preparation of actually getting that the fruit you know the soil prep and then he's adding amendments to it and all kinds of other things that he's doing and then the watering and there's so many steps and it isn't just the big glorious like oh we've got this all this stuff to harvest it it takes all the little times that he goes down every day for you know half an hour to check on things or to do one more thing to prep the ground and make Mm. it ready for planting each spring so um, yeah, it's all those little moments. And like you said, or it's the, the absence of like, I'm going to make margin space for this to make sure that I'm fully here so that, you know, this can take place. Right. Uh, the illustration of harvest is pretty good. I mean, there's a reason why God used that visual in the life of Paul to the Galatians, because mm-hmm. that was part of their world. I mean, they were literally planting the food that they would eat and understood that direct correlation between what we do and what we reap. And I do think that's lost a little bit on us today because we don't do anything to get what we need out of life most of the time. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think you think back on a lot of the illustrations that Jesus provided in the parables, you know, um, the good shepherd, there's, there's so much dealing with livestock and so much dealing with planting and the vineyards, you know, he has all kinds of examples like that. And, and some of that is lost on us because we aren't um, an agricultural society like back then. Um, and so I'm trying to think, you know, can you think of an illustration? What would we kind of compare it to nowadays? Um, you know, back then it was this whole like planting mm. and, and working in the field kind of environment. Like what kind of, illustration might Hmm. Jesus use today if he was trying to illustrate this? Goodness, that's a really good question. I don't even know if there's something in our, you know, American culture. Maybe there would be something in in rural culture or, but in my little suburban lifestyle, the, the two things that come to my mind are the impact of raising children and the impact on marriage. Mm. because that having been at a boarding school for all those years, I was able to watch teenager after teenager kind of come in, develop, and then launch and and hear stories of parenting and recognize that um, what those parents were sowing into their relationship with their children reaped a result and you know, interestingly enough, in the beginning, I used to think that only a certain kind of parent produced a certain kind of kid. And, mm-hmm. and if you did it this way, you guaranteed that outcome. What I came to believe and believe now as a mom is that what you're sowing in is love and trust and transparency and um, the ability to have a safe place to return to. Mm-hmm. You're not sowing in... Um, the guarantee of an outcome of the behavior of your child because your child is a human being who's going to make their own choices and choose their own sin and choose to flee from the temptations that are in front of them. But when they come home 
you you're you're deciding in advance by how you're parenting them what they will come home to mm-hmm. uh, and i i do think that that that's that's the only modern day example that comes to my mind of because maybe because it's something that is being measured over the long haul and you're right the kids have the free will to choose um what they're going to do with their life regardless of how their parents have raised them but you can tell the ones where they feel secure at home and where they've been raised in an environment where God is at the center and where they've been taught to you know to go to him and to look for uh look to the bible for wisdom Mm -hmm. um and even if they they mess up and they stray and stuff like there's still something that's different and that they're grounded in and like yeah. those seed, those seeds have been planted, and and they are now reaping the harvest. All those seeds of like when they were little toddlers and younger, and you're reading Bible mm-hmm. stories, like you can see those kids because they have a different like grounding and foundation versus the ones who are just coming in now and like maybe they've had a little bit of Bible and you know instruction, but not so much. And you can tell. Yeah, you can see it. I think I'm looking out my window here at the office and I, we planted sunflowers again this year. Mm-hmm. And last year I had just this beautiful like spread of sunflowers because when Caitlin and I planted the seedlings, they, they were plentiful. And so I was lazy and we just put them in the ground without spacing them apart, like clumped okay. them together. So there was this one clump of sunflowers. It was like five sunflowers that came up and just, it was beautiful, but also poignant because one couldn't stand up straight and mm. it, it didn't have enough room to grow its roots down or to get right. to the sun. So it kind of grew out almost uh, parallel to the ground. Um, this year I was like, yes, the sunflower harvest. I like learned my lesson. We planted them apart. Most of the seedlings didn't even make it. The rains were so strong. It just killed Mm -hmm. them right when they got in the ground. Then the sunflowers that have made it, there's about five stalks are stripped naked from the deer. Like, oh no, ate all the leaves off. We were gone for four days. We came back to naked sunflower stalks. And yet they're still like trying to like thrive and like there's one big beautiful bloom. I don't know if the rest are going to bloom because they don't have the leaves to get the nourishments that they need to, you know, and do their photosynthesis. I remember that from school. Um, But I'm looking at those right now. I've been saying to the Lord for the last month, what is the lesson in these sunflowers? And I think in terms of, of life and especially parenting that Sometimes we're looking at that stock when it's just been ripped to shreds, like that child who's gone wayward and, and is a prodigal at the moment. And we think the story must be over. Like, can anything good come of this? And yet I, I wish you could see that one sunflower with this beautiful bloom. It has, it's almost as though it said to the deer, you can try to take me, but you're not going to get me in full. And mm-hmm. it has burst forth. And I think there's the parallel of satan intended for destruction but god will use for his glory and so uh there's there's lessons for us in in nature in nature well and i mean i've i don't remember where i heard it said that you know nature is like god's second book Mm. and 
i think we don't pay attention to it enough because we're not necessarily out in it as much as maybe you know in bible times that, that they lived outside and they worked outside um and yet there's so many lessons and i mean the one you just shared about the sunflower is fabulous and i was thinking i actually made a comment to a friend of mine i was like farming is hard work yes <laughs> you know we like we did like Timothy planted all kinds of seedlings for um, green beans and we got torrential rains and literally there was like just trenches of water where these little plants <laughs> were trying to sprout and they were like, they're not going to make it. You know, they just got flooded and it frosted. Uh, we had an, um, a warmer spring and then it frosted and we lost all of the peaches and plums cause they had blossomed and then they were gone. Um, yeah. And that in itself, though, like it, there's an, that lesson of you don't give up, though. Like there's, you know, you, you hit those hard times and you keep going and the plants, I mean, the trees are thriving. They didn't produce any fruit this year, but I mean, they're growing and they're strong, but they hit a hard moment yeah. and yet they keep going, um, you know, and with the sunflower that, that, yeah, you can be stripped away, but there's still goodness and, and God will bring out like the beauty in the midst of the destruction. Yeah. Um, so there's so many lessons we can learn from, from nature. And I feel like this passage in Galatians, you know, yes. it, it ties right into all of that. And that's what he's teaching from is from, um, the earth and yeah. from your surroundings. So, so let's, let's pick up with Galatians six and I want to start at verse one and have mm -hmm. us go to at least verse nine, maybe even even further or verse 10, maybe even further than that. We'll look at our time and make a decision. So, so it starts off. Uh, I love the subtitle in mine. It says we harvest what we plant and I'm reading for the new living translation. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Mm. You are not that important. <laughs> Leave it to Paul, right? So, you're not that important. You're not that important. And he has said that in multiple places. Like, I, I think it's Romans 12. He says, do not think so highly of yourself. Like, yes. this is a problem. But I think this is just a great reminder here in terms of we were talking about parenting it doesn't say if you are a godly mother, your child will never sin, right? I mean, this is addressed to all of the believers that believers can be overcome by some sin. Right. To me, that is like girls, like we have got, as Angela would say, she always say girls, girls, we have got to get this through our head that we can be overcome by sin and mm -hmm. when we, as sisters in Christ, see somebody else's sin, we have the command of God to gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. But being careful not to get sucked into it, too. I just, yes. as you were reading it and talking about it, I was thinking about a lifeguard. You know, what's one of the yes. first things that they teach in lifeguarding class is like, you don't, you have to be careful around the victim so that you don't get pulled down with them. Like there's a proper protocol of how to come behind them and to, you know, wrap your arm around them and rescue them because otherwise you're in danger of being drowned as well. Mm. So we have to be grounded 
in order to help somebody else and recognizing though like it says paul says you are not that important that we can be we can stumble too just because Mm -hmm. like at this moment in time we're we're stronger and we're helping somebody else who's struggling with the sin that doesn't mean that we're standing on this pedestal saying like i'm your savior and i Mm. i know everything because we can fall the next day if we're not careful yeah oh girl preach because (laughs) you said a couple things that are really important to emphasize you said strong and a lifeguard would not be on their post and be able to go in for a rescue if they were not physically in shape for the position mm-hmm. that they were stepping into. Mm-hmm. They would be foolish to be to be out of shape and attempt a rescue. I, I suppose there would be the moment in which their training kicks into gear and God's power and strength is in that person and helps sure. in that crisis situation. But a wise lifeguard is going to train and stay fit for the job because they understand the severity of what will happen if they're not prepared. Mm. And and so I do think that's a good translation for us of what does it look like to be prepared for the job of actively serving the body of Christ in, in, um, in, in the way a lifeguard serves here. I mean, I don't even know if there's any other analogy that's as fitting for it. When you see somebody in trouble, a lifeguard rescues. When you see somebody stumbling in their faith, are we above reproach? Is, are our accounts clear with God? Are we fessed up? Are we in healthy spiritual and emotionally spiritual relationships that when we're struggling in that situation, we can seek counsel to figure out how mm-hmm. to continue to help that person? Yeah, I think it's really, and the emphasis, you you mentioned it, that Paul said, you're not that important, and you said to not become the savior. I have had a a number of women over the years come to me and say, I want to be trained to be a coach because I want to help people not make the same mistake I made. I want to Mm. um, get in and tell them exactly what they should do and how they should do it, and it scares the daylights out of me because if you think that you're the savior, you are actually inhibiting the work of the savior. You're in, you're in the way. It's true. Uh, and when I teach the coach training class, I use this example that um, a coach or a mentor, this is a great example for mentoring, for mm-hmm. discipleship. Our role is like the nurse in a doctor's office. And while that nurse may completely be able to diagnose the situation and Mm -hmm. prescribe the proper kind of medication and attend to all the needs, that nurse knows its job uh, Mm -hmm. and he or she is making the patient feel comfortable, getting all the important information out on the table, making sure that nothing is kept in secret, but everything is out in the open so that the doctor doesn't misdiagnose. And emotionally kind of preparing that patient for seeing the doctor. Right. Then when the doctor comes in, the doctor is doing the diagnosis, the prognosis, and and any educational information. And I love it that the nurse sometimes will come back in and be like, so do you understand what the doctor said? Are you doing okay, sweetheart? You know, and really, a really great nurse knows his or her place and, and doesn't step over those bounds. And as a coach or a mentor, a sister in Christ, we have to understand the work that God has for us to do and not try to do his work for him. 
he is the doctor, we are the nurse. Um, That's a fabulous example. Well, it, it, came, um, it came through experience. I was in the middle of teaching the class and it was an appointment, it was after a doctor's appointment that I had with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I, I was powerless in that situation with my daughter with what she was going through. And I watched the nurse and I've watched the same nurse over multiple times. And the one thing makes me cry. The one thing that I see every time she's interacted with one of my kids is the way she makes them feel so safe that everything comes Mm. out Mm. and all the walls come down and all the fears are laid down. And then when the doctor comes in, the work is ready to be done. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I have often thought since that situation, like I want to be that nurse. I do not want to get in God's way but want to position, help a woman get to the place of saying, God, heal me. Mm-hmm. God, make me whole. And I do think that's consistent with, uh, it's in, um, we digress here for a second, but uh, it is in, there's a passage that I have been praying. Where is it? Where is it? I have too many post-it notes, so I can't ever find it. Um, <laughs> it's in Luke 5, and it's verse 31. Uh, I'm sure I've read it before on the podcast. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people mm-hmm. do. And verse 32 says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And so my prayer for my my loved ones and my friends and people I know who are not saved is that they would understand that they are sinners and need to repent so that they would run to Jesus and right. he would heal them. But this is also my goal as a coach, as a mentor, as a mom, is that I, I want them to know, know Jesus, see Jesus, run to mm-hmm. Jesus, not to me. And, and yet... There's work for us to do in that. Mm. So true. Okay. You want to read the next, uh, picking up at verse four? Yeah. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught by the, the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. You want me to keep going? No, let's let's just stop there okay. for a second. So I did a little research on the pay careful attention. And mm-hmm. in the, um, I use blueletterbible.org if anybody mm-hmm. wants to do their own research. Um, and the, the verbiage in the NLT is a little bit different than what it would be if it was in like New King James or NIV. And it says, must examine one's own work. And that, that examination looks like to approve of your own work, mm-hmm. to deem worthy, to scrutinize for yourself, to see whether the thing is genuine or not. Mm. And that when you do that, then you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else's work because you're so focused on the work that is in front of you and the integrity of your work. And then that won't need to compare yourself. Actually, another way of saying that is you can boast in your own work rather than looking to somebody else to boast in your work for you. So it kind of 
even talks a little bit, not just about the comparison factor, but the whole um, approval addiction. Mm-hmm. Like the need to the need to be validated. What do you think about this passage? I, I love it. I have it underlined in my Bible because it's such a good reminder to me. Um, you know, I mean, I, I struggle with comparing myself to other people and and being like, Lord, am, am I touching as many people as this author or this speaker? You know, they have such a broader audience and I'm at a boarding school with you know, a hundred girls and then the graduates that I'm staying in touch with. But, you know, it's, it seems so small compared to some people I look up to. And, um, yet, yeah, there's this whole reminder of like paying attention to what you're doing. And then, like you said, though, that when you're, you're examining your own work and you know that you're giving it all you've got and you're being faithful to what God's placed in front of you, then I feel like you can live into, um, the fullness of who you are and how you're wired and where God's placed you versus looking around. And, and then you become more of who you're supposed to be. Mm. Like your example with the nurse, like if she was looking around or, or at other people, like, would she be who she is or would she be trying to, Oh, well, I've got to implement this, or this is how I need to care for my patients. Or she's like, she's comfortable with who she is. And that makes her patients comfortable with who they are. Like she, they, she helps them to feel safe because she's okay with who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we have to, when we are okay with who we are and who God's made us to be, like it suddenly opens doors that other people feel comfortable too, because we're fine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. The more comfortable we are with our own work, the more comfortable other people will be mm-hmm. with us yeah because the, and then there's not a power struggle there's not I, right I, because I, you're okay with somebody else being successful in another realm you know it's not it's not um me versus her it's both of us like um living into the fullness of where god's placed us and the beauty that he's creating in both of us in the same direction yeah yeah, I've got a good story for that, um, and it's a, it's, I think it's a fun story. So some people might know this already because I've written about it. Uh, I wrote a chapter about it, I think, in Meet the New You. Mm-hmm. But years and years and years and years ago, I was insanely jealous of Lisa Turkist. And okay. I, knew, I knew her personally, you know, had meals with her. She spoke at our retreats. One of my friends was best friends with her. So, like, there was this oh, wow. inner circle and I mean, I wouldn't say she was a good friend, but she knew my name and, and we interacted together. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then was before she adopted the boys. It was before Proverbs 31 became what it is today, which is a wonderful ministry. Mm-hmm. And I watched what she was doing with such jealousy. I was so pregnant with the twins. Like I was out a mile wide. I mean, it was, and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at me and I'm comparing every bit that you can imagine. And the years unfolded. And then I had those babies. And then my friend Andrea and I uh, started, this is years later, they were in preschool at this point. We started a mom's group and I was starting to do some writing and blogging. I started that when the twins were like mm, six months old. So now it's like, they're 13. This is like a long time of my life. Wow. Here. Yeah. Um, and so 
I'm doing some writing and I entered a, a competition to try to get a She Speaks ticket and I didn't win. And okay. I ran into Andrea in the Target and I'm, I just found out and I'm like, I didn't get it. And Andrea said, would you stop already? And I was like, okay. And Andrea, as only as she could do, said, God is going to do in you what God is going to do in you. And it's not going to mm. be the way he does it in anyone else. Would you let this go already? And so what you're saying about kind of the toxicity of our life, right? I was impacting her life by my jealousy. It was stealing our joy in our friendship because I'm pursuing and wanting something that God didn't have for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, months unfolded and then I I really felt this heavy conviction. Andrea wanted us to do um, one of Lisa's Bible studies and I was like, do I have to? And we went ahead and we did it anyways. And in the middle of that season, I felt so convicted I actually sent Lisa an email because somehow I had her email address and apologized for my jealousy. Completely Mm. confessed to her that I was hindering God's work in my life and her life by being jealous. And asked for her forgiveness. Not really expecting at that point to hear anything back. (laughs) The next day my phone rings and it's back on the old like phones when you still had like caller ID announce the caller. And I, right. I hear, I hear, Issa Erkus. I'm like, oh my word, I don't want to have a conversation about this. So she, I get on the phone and she accepted my apology. It was super gracious. And we, oh. we talked about it. And she was incredibly encouraging. And then she said to me, can I read your letter at She Speaks? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like the, I'm there with these like babies and kids and that's the conference I want to be at. And she's asking to now read my email, like at her keynote. And I was like, okay, yes, go for it. Humble. Talk about humble pie. Well, fast forward. So, you know, I have had to yield my heart to the Lord about this and ask the Mm -hmm. Lord to make me gracious and kind and not jealous and not going after what somebody else has. Uh, and it comes from a place of insecurity, like uh, that, totally. that bar of I'm only good enough if I make it to a certain mark. And we do that in every area of our life. Well, uh, as you know, Unblinded Faith came out in May and it's been exciting to see this book kind of do its thing. I didn't mm-hmm. pursue the contract. It landed in my lap. I've just stewarded this gift that the Lord has given me as best as possible. And my my husband was traveling and he sent me a picture from a Lifeway store. And the Lifeway store has unblinded faith on the end cap. And next to it on both sides are Lisa's books. On one side so cool. on one side is her new devotional embraced, and the other side is what happens when women say yes to God. Which was the book that, that we were doing back in the day. And so I, I emailed it to you know, my friend Andrea. And she, she texted me back and she said, do you, do you realize the irony of the book next to what happens mm-hmm. when women say yes to God? That was one of our first books we read together. So you see what happens when Elisa Pulliam says yes to God. He is glorified and she is filled. Praise God. And, I, I, you know, it's a sweet, sweet, sweet uh, like wink from God of like, I'm going to do in you what I'm going to do in you. And it's not mm-hmm. going to look like what I do in somebody else. And there is nothing similar between 
my ministry and Lisa's ministry. People say our writing is similar. I get that all the time. But um, I just think that's because we're two pretty authentic and transparent women Mm -hmm. who want people to see Jesus. And so if we sow what God is calling us to sow, we will reap what God is calling us to reap. And that harvest isn't going to look like somebody else's harvest. Exactly. Which, interestingly enough, Harvest House is the name of the publisher of Unblinded Faith. So, True. So it all kind of kind of wraps up in a fun little story there. So looking at this in verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Okay, I don't want to go any further yet. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I mean, just going back to your story that plays into all of this, that if you had held on to the feelings of... Uh, insecurity and comparison and and woe is me because I'm not somebody else. I'm not Lisa and this big author who now, you know, runs Proverbs 31 Ministries. If you had held on to that, you would not have been open and ready to write your own book. You, You would be filled with jealousy and pain and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so that would be harvesting death and decay and yet because you released that to God and said I'm struggling with this you know I am jealous and take it from me though and help me to keep my eyes focused on you and the plan that you have for my life because you were able to do that I mean you're now reaping the benefits of this beautiful story that God has orchestrated in your life yeah yeah it's actually so true, but as you were saying that, I'm thinking back to the beginning verse. If if another believer is overcome by some sin, let's rephrase that. If Lisa Pulliam is overcome by some sin, you, Andrea, who are godly, mm-hmm. should gently and humbly help her back onto the right path. That's exactly what she did for me. That's true. Right? And And so she is also reaping in the joy of that. And what did not fall into the same temptation, praise the Lord, because mm-hmm. she, she's just awesome. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. She, she's an awesome, godly friend. And, and yet that friendship, her ability to rebuke me mm-hmm. was years into our friendship, years after honesty and, and openness with each other and um, years of dealing with each other's junk and enduring with one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like our friendship has always been easy. We have walked through tough stuff together. And so that, that may be a good point for a challenge or application question as we're moving into the end here of like, who are you being that sister to? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing to cultivate one or two relationships in which other believers can speak into your life this way? Right. I mean, that that, so that we're not misled so that we are staying in the course. So continuing on verse nine, you want to pick that up and read nine and ten. 
So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Mm. Well, and that really goes along again. Like, I mean, what if Andrea had been like, oh, good grief. I'm so tired of listening (laughs) to Lisa and just like the struggle and she'd given up. Like, what would have happened? You know, we needed her, you needed her to stay the course and to not get tired of doing good and to keep speaking truth into your life and to keep um, forming that relationship and that friendship um, mm-hmm. so that, mm-hmm. that you could both, I mean, because I'm sure you've helped her grow too. Like it is a two-way street and yet um, you've been there for each other and you haven't given up on one another as a, a godly friendship. Yeah, yeah. And even that verse before, those who live to please the Spirit, I mean, that's the challenge, and that's that's the root of our friendship. Are we living to please the Spirit or ourselves? And for some reason, God has convicted us both equally that that is the question always before us, and that, you know, the harvest that we really should be ever after for each believer is that everlasting life from the Spirit. I mean, yeah. eternity. It's living for yeah. eternity, not for not just for the earthly harvest. I think if we see the earthly harvest, that's just the kindness and mercy of God. Exactly. Um, Well, it's funny. I was actually thinking about as we were talking, and this is all dealing with harvesting, but have you ever, um, you know, seen horses? I know you've been around horses, but like plow horses and how they have the blinders on mm -hmm. them. Oh, yes. And that's so that they don't, they're not like, distracted or paying attention to the you know their neighbor next door to them or the nice tall grass to their right um so they keep these blinders on and i think that that's where if we in a sense look at like spiritual blinders we've got to keep focused on god and sometimes you know our friends are those spiritual blinders of like whoa redirect yourself yeah what are you paying attention to that's interesting because yesterday when um, Caitlin was riding, they, they pulled all the horses out to the um, holding area while the horses were being jumped. And there was one horse that was, it's kind of green. She's, she's about four. Mm-hmm. And she's not real <laughs> great at jumping. And she was spooking a little bit at her jumps. So uh, Caitlin's coach called, said, Katie, come out with Lily and stand in the corner with her. So Caitlin walked across the the ring and was in the corner so that this other horse uh could jump towards her mm. like uh and and the way her coach described it was you know she she was uh herd scared i think was the description being alone while everybody mm-hmm. else was out there you know made her spook but having part of her herd to ride toward and go over the jump toward brought comfort and direction and so it's kind of interesting how you could it could be that we are the blinders keeping Mm -hmm. our friends our sisters on course it could also be that we need to stand in a specific place so that they can and I think of Paul he says follow my example as I follow Jesus and we talk about that all the time in our mentor training is that we're not asking people to reproduce us we're asking people to follow toward us towards us following jesus and to stay the course and then well, when and that we... goes back to that that we have to be so grounded you know that that ties back into this whole lifeguard mentality of that 
we have to be prepared in order to help rescue other people. We can't mm-hmm. just be like, oh, whatever. And, you know, I don't, I, whatever happens, happens. No, yeah. I mean, you know, being steeped in the word, taking the time to, to spend with God is the only way that we're going to be able to speak to somebody else's life and to not fall to the same temptations um, because we've taken the time to spend with God. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And it, it turns us. You know, us in the word Mm -hmm. turns us back to the priorities that we're supposed to be living toward. And I want to wrap us up with, I just, I'm going to skip down to verse 14 because Paul, I think this is Paul's summary statement. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified Mm -hmm. and the world's interest in me has also died. I think, boom, there we got it. Like, yes, we're not supposed to compare ourselves to somebody else's work. Yes, we've talked about paying attention to our own work, examining what we're stewarding, what we're sowing into, what we're reaping. But then there's that other deeper side of it, which is for the glory of God, in the Mm -hmm. name of Christ, for his purposes, for eternal life. Mm -hmm. Not, Not just so that... We toil the ground and and reap results that give us praise. Right. But that we sow into the lives of people and allow God to reap a life of eternal harvest. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's such a beautiful thing, though, that he partners with us in that. I mean, yes. like, it's such a humbling thing that he's... He's saying, like, you go out and do this. Like, this is this is your job, too. I, I need your help. Um, oh, I'd have to see. I don't remember which gospel it's in. But he said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Yes. Yes. So, like, are we willing to be one of those workers? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to, to invest time into God to be one of those workers and to go out and to speak the truth? Um Mm-hmm. And to yeah. be that mentor, to be that coach, whatever word we want to use, but it's all an ambassador for Christ, you know, it yeah. all goes back to then like us being um, centered in him and going out and saying, do you know my best friend? Do you know the person that's changed my life? Mm. Mm, that's good. And that going out, I say again and again, it starts with the, the bloodline. Like, mm-hmm. if you have children, that's your first going out. If you're married, that's a that's that's a going out. You are an ambassador of the good news to the people that you are biologically uh, related to, that you have adopted into your family. And then I see God just kind of expanding those territories. So where mm-hmm. do you live? What is your neighborhood? What is your church? Where is your workplace? Where are you exercising and participating in activities? And and if the Lord is calling you to go to the ends of the earth, you go. Uh, but right. you you don't you don't you know frogger over <laughs> all the people in between. You you grow. You sow into the ministry of of the region that you have been put in, and then allow Him to multiply that. And so whether we're college students or young moms, I mean, 
my daughter's getting ready to go back to college in a month. By the time this airs, she'll be in the throes of it, and she's yeah. a, a leader on her hall. So her ministry is her hall, and exactly. if if her hall has friends, then it's then it expands her ministry, and we we sow into those people, and we pray that God will do the reaping work and the growth. Mm-hmm. And, and back to looking at my sunflowers right now, there may be a time it looks absolutely atrocious. I mean, it, it there may be times it's not a pretty crop. Right. It, it may be hit by the elements and it may be um, fighting for life and yet uh, to not give up. Exactly. Because that's what Paul says. Don't don't stop doing what is good. And we do. We get tired. Even, you know, you're talking about with just in our families that that's our first line of defense in a sense of, of who we should be ministering to, which I completely agree with. But there's times that I'm, it does get tiring, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. You, you you want to snap at the kids or your husbands and or your parents or whoever else is around you, siblings. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be times Leah's going to be tired and, and is going to be needing to study. And it's like, do I have time to minister or if this girl comes to my room crying to take the time to pray with her or to direct mm-hmm. her back to God's word? You know, we find all these these moments, whether it's just interpersonal relationships as a challenge or that we're so busy and it's like, oh, do I have time for this? And yet mm-hmm. that's, that's the, the calling that Paul's like, don't stop. Don't yeah. get tired. You're going to hit walls. Um, yeah. But just keep persevering and staying on the course because yeah. when you're faithful to that, the harvest will come. Right. God will be faithful to that. Right, and it does. Those are his words. Let so let not let's not get tired of doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And that mm-hmm. if that if is a pivotal if there. Well, let's wrap. I mean, this is this is good to chew on. So let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll close. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time that you've given us to really dig into Galatians 6 and to see the truth that Paul conveyed to the Galatians and that we need to apply to our lives today. God, thank you for the illustrations that you've given us to share. Thank you for the uh, visual lessons that Kaylee and I have both experienced. And I pray, God, that you would open the eyes of our sisters to uh, see Uh, the lessons that you would have for them about sowing and reaping. God, show them where they are to invest, where they are to not give up in doing good, but to continue uh, by your strength and your spirit. Where I noticed that pretty significantly. This isn't something we do in our own strength, but something we do Mm -hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so I pray that the spirit would not be quenched by sin, uh, but that we would be right before you and we would be able to press on especially to those in the family of faith. God, we thank you for our extended family uh, in our local church and in the church globally. And we pray, God, for those who are ambassadors of the good news, uh, whether it's within the square feet of their homes, um, the mileage in their neighborhood, or even across the miles or across the coast. Uh, God, we thank you for the work that you have given our hands to do. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So thank you for listening to the More To Be podcast. 
We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day.